Long History The Second Voyage of Christopher Columbus Part 4 Disease, Quarrels, Attacks and Fire in Navida. Hello everyone and welcome to Long History. Our current series is The Second Voyage of Christopher Columbus. This is Part 4. There are six parts in total, so don't forget to subscribe if you'd like to be informed of when the remaining episodes are released. Here on Long History, we have actually already covered the first voyage of Christopher Columbus, if you want to find out all the details about that. But this is the second voyage, and here, one of Christopher Columbus's prime aims is to find the settlement of men that he left behind on his previous voyage. In the previous episode, he'd reached Hispaniola Island where he left the men, but he still hadn't reached the little colony called Navidad that he left there. The signs aren't good, with Dr. Chanka, who wrote the document here, obliquely saying that there isn't good news to be had in this regard. Dr. Chanka took part himself in the voyage, being the surgeon who went on those ships with Christopher Columbus. Just before we get going, just a quick reminder that we now have over 250 episodes of Long History, covering documents about the Age of Exploration, as well as our latest series, Random UK Prime Minister of the Week. So there's lots to explore on our website, which is longhistory.net, that's longhistory, all one word. But I'm sure many, if not all, of these episodes will be available on your podcast provider. The previous episode ended with Christopher Columbus having reached Hispaniola Island. There's a description of the island. And in this episode, the voyage continues... And finally, they reach that settlement called Navidad. Let's find out what happens in this episode of Long History, which is The Second Voyage of Christopher Columbus, Part 4, Disease, Quarrels, Attacks and Fire in Navidad. We ran along the coast of this island nearly a hundred leagues, concluding that within this range we should find the spot where the Admiral had left some of his men, which we supposed to be about the middle of the coast. As we passed by the province called Samana, we sent on shore one of the Indians, who had been taken in the previous voyage, clothed and carrying some trifles, which the Admiral had ordered to be given him. On that day died one of our sailors, a Biscayan, who had been wounded in the affray with the Caribbees when they were captured, as I have already described through their want of caution. As we were proceeding along the coast, an opportunity was afforded for a boat to go on shore to bury him, the boat being accompanied by two caravels to protect it. When they reached the shore, a great number of Indians came out to the boat, some of them wearing necklaces and earrings of gold, and expressed a wish to accompany the Spaniards to the ships. But our men refused to take them, because they had not received permission from the Admiral. When the Indians found that they would not take them, two of them got into a small canoe and went up to one of the caravels that had put into shore. They were received on board with great kindness and taken to the Admiral's ship, where, through the medium of an interpreter, they related that a certain king had sent them to ascertain who we were and to invite us to land, adding that they had plenty of gold and also of provisions to which we should be welcome. The Admiral desired that shirts and caps and other trifles should be given to each of them, and said that as he was going to the place where Guacamari dwelt, he would not stop then, but that another time there would be an opportunity of seeing him, and with that they departed. We continued our route till we came to an harbour called Monte Criste, 
where we remained two days in order to observe the character of the land. But the Admiral had an objection to the spot where his men had been left with the view of making a settlement. We went on shore, therefore, to see the character of the land. There was a large river of excellent water close by, but the ground was inundated and very ill-calculated for habitation. As we went on making our observations on the river and the land, some of our men found two dead bodies by the river's side, one with a rope round his neck and the other with one round his foot. This was on the first day of our landing. On the following day they found two other corpses farther on, and one of these was observed to have a great quantity of beard. This was regarded as a very suspicious circumstance by many of our people because, as I have already said, all the Indians are beardless. This harbour is twelve leagues from the place where the Spaniards had been left under the protection of Guacamari, the king of that province, whom I supposed to be one of the chief men of the island. After two days we set sail for that spot, but as it was late when we arrived there, and there were some shoals where the admiral's ship had been lost, we did not venture to put in close to the shore, but remained that night at a little less than a league from the coast, waiting until the morning, when we might enter securely. On that evening a canoe, containing five or six Indians, came out at considerable distance from where we were, and approached us with great celerity. The Admiral, believing that he ensured our safety by keeping the sails set, would not wait for them. They, however, perseveringly rowed up to us, within a cannon shot, and then stopped to look at us. But when they saw that we did not wait for them, they put back and went away. After we had anchored that night at the spot in question, the Admiral ordered two cannons to be fired, to see if the Spaniards, who had remained with Guacamari, would fire in return, for they also had cannons with them. But when we received no reply, and could not perceive any fires nor the slightest symptom of habitations on the spot, the spirits of our people became much depressed, and they began to entertain the suspicion which the circumstances were naturally calculated to excite. While all were in this desponding mood, and when four or five hours of the night had passed away, the same canoe which we had seen in the evening came up, and the Indians with a loud voice addressed the captain of the caravel, which they first approached, inquiring for the admiral. They were conducted to the admiral's vessel, but would not go on board till he had spoken to them, and they asked for a light, in order to assure themselves that it was he who conversed with them. One of them was a cousin of Guacamari, who had been sent by him once before, it appeared that after they had turned back the previous evening, they had been charged by Guacamari with two masks of gold as a present, one for the admiral, the other for a captain who had accompanied him on the former voyage. They remained on board for three hours, talking with the admiral in the presence of all of us, he showing much pleasure in their conversation and inquiring respecting the welfare of the Spaniards whom he had left behind. Guacamari's cousin replied that those who remained were all well, but that some of them had died of disease, 
and others had been killed in quarrels that had arisen amongst them, and that Guacamari was at some distance lying ill of a wound in his leg, which was the occasion of his not appearing, but that he would come on the next day. He said also that two kings named Kaunabo and Myreni had come to fight with him, and that they had burned the village. The Indians then departed, saying they would return on the following day with the said Guacamari, and left us consoled for that night. On the morning of the next day we were expecting that Guacamari would come, and in the meantime some of our men landed by command of the Admiral, and went to the spot where the Spaniards had formerly been. They found the building which they had inhabited, and which they had in some degree fortified with a palisade, burnt and levelled with the ground. They found also some cloaks and clothing which the Indians had brought to throw upon the house. They observed too that the Indians who were seen near the spot looked very shy, and dared not approach, but on the contrary fled from them. This appeared strange to us, for the Admiral had told us that in the former voyage when he arrived at this place, so many came in canoes to see us that there was no keeping them off. And as we now saw that they were suspicious of us, it gave us a very unfavourable impression. We threw trifles such as hawk-bells and beads towards them in order to conciliate them, but only four, a relation of Guacamari's and three others, took courage to enter the boat and were rowed on board. When they were asked concerning the Spaniards, they replied that all of them were dead. We had been told this already by one of the Indians whom we had brought from Spain, and who had conversed with the two Indians that on the former occasion came on board with their canoe, but we had not believed it. Guacamari's kinsman was asked who had killed them. He replied that the king of Kaunabo and king Myreni had made an attack upon them and burnt the buildings on the spot, that many were wounded in the affray, and among them Guacamari, who had received a wound in his thigh and had retired to some distance. He also stated that he wished to go and fetch him, upon which some trifles were given to him, and he took his departure for the place of Guacamari's abode. All that day we remained in expectation of them, and when we saw that they did not come, many suspected that the Indians who had been on board the night before had been drowned, for they had had wine given to them two or three times, and they had come in a small canoe that might be easily upset. The next morning the Admiral went on shore, taking some of us with him. We went to the spot where the settlement had been, and found it utterly destroyed by fire, and the clothes of the Spaniards lying about upon the grass. But on that occasion we saw no dead body. There were many different opinions amongst us, some suspecting that Guacamari himself was concerned in the betrayal and death of the Christians, others thought not, because his own residence was burned. So that it remained a very doubtful question. The Admiral ordered all the ground which had been occupied by the fortifications of the Spaniards to be searched, for he had left orders with them to bury all the gold that they might get. While this was being done, the Admiral wished to examine a spot at about a league's distance, 
which seemed to be suitable for building a town, for it was already time to do so. And some of us went thither with him, making our observations of the land as we went along the coast, until we reached a village of seven or eight houses, which the Indians forsook when they saw us approach, carrying away what they could, and leaving the things which they could not remove hidden amongst the grass around the houses. These people are so like beasts that they have not even the sense to select a fitting place to live in. Those who dwell on the shore build for themselves the most miserable hovels that can be imagined, and all the houses are so covered with grass and dampness that I am amazed at the way they live. So until now, on the first journey and the second journey, there haven't been too many problems on Christopher Columbus's voyages. That is, of course, if you're looking from a Spanish point of view. The Spanish until now had been used to being the dominant force in any area where they arrived. And so there's something of a shock in this episode when they finally arrive at this place called Navidad and find that it's been completely destroyed. What happened to the men left behind in Navidad? Columbus and his men can only speculate as the local men give them a plausible but not necessarily 100% believable reason why all the men have disappeared. In the next episode, we find out more. Thank you for listening everyone. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and please do give it a like if you have. Please share it with any like-minded people who might be interested. This is History from the Source. So these are some of the very few eyewitness documents we have about the events that Columbus took part in. If you like this, don't forget there's lots more to explore on Long History. And if all our episodes aren't available on your podcast provider, don't forget that they'll be on longhistory.net. Thank you for listening everyone. This was The Second Voyage of Christopher Columbus, Part 4. Disease, Quarrels, Attacks and Fire in Navidad. Goodbye.